<laughs> well, I wonder if you've ever had the experience of wanting something in your life very much, and then getting exactly what you wanted, and then saying to yourself a little later, I had absolutely no idea what I was getting myself into. <laughs> I'm glad I got what I wanted, yeah, but I didn't have a clue what getting it was actually going to mean. I think that lots of things in life are actually like this. Marriage is a big one, and having kids and raising a family is another. The Jordan of 10 or 15 years ago wanted those things very much, but did I know what it would be like to get them? Yes and no. You can have an idea of what being married and raising kids is like, but you can't really know what it's like, I think, until you're actually married, and the three-year-old is actually throwing a screaming fit because the cheese you gave him is the wrong cheese. And it absolutely can't be the shredded cheese, because it has to be the sliced cheese. This is an example. I think there are lots of things in life that are like this, actually. You look back at what you thought you wanted when you were younger, and you say to yourself, well, I was sort of right back then, but what I have now is different. It's both a lot harder, you might say, and a lot better than what I imagined this would be. If you'd have somehow showed me exactly what getting this, whatever it is, was going to look like, and somehow I understood it, I might have at that time said, no thank you. That's not what I want at all. But I'm so glad that I said yes. Because what I turned out to get, even though it's harder than I knew, is also much better than I knew. I had to become a different kind of person to want it, but I'm a better person now because of it. Well, I was thinking about marriage and family when I was writing that example, but I think it really does apply more broadly to lots of things in life. I think it even helps us understand what John the Baptist is going through in today's Gospel lesson. You see, John the Baptist, as we meet him in today's Gospel, is something, I think, of a confused and puzzled man, maybe even discouraged and doubting. Why do I say that? Well, we're told that John is in prison, and he hears about what Jesus is doing. And remember, this is the same Jesus whom John himself has already baptized. When the heavens opened and a voice from above said, This is my Son, in whom I am well pleased. This John is the one who then sends word to Jesus and asks him, Are you the one who is to come, or are we to wait for another? Think about that for a minute, if you will. Because you might say to John, with some reason, John, you know, I know a lot of people who tell me that they believe in Jesus if the heavens opened up and God gave them a sign. Well, John, the heavens actually opened up for you, and God gave you a sign. So if that's not enough for you, I'm not sure what to tell you. So why does he ask this question? Of all people, why does John feel the need to ask Jesus if he's the Messiah, the Promised One, after what he's already heard and seen? It's a puzzle. Well, if you think about what John's message was, it makes more sense. You see, 
You can think, I mean, Jesus is trying to get us to think this way in today's lesson. You can think of John the Baptist as the last in the line of Old Testament prophets. Sort of like a character from the pages of the Old Testament showing up in the pages of the New Testament. And saying to all of us, here he is. This is what all of the prophets were pointing to. This is the promise answered. This is our hope fulfilled. Now prepare ye the way of the Lord. Remember, what did those prophets prophesy? Well, many things, of course. What did they promise? What was Israel's hope? Well, a few chapters earlier, John had cried out for all to hear, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Even now the axe is laid to the root of the trees. Every tree, therefore, that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. That's what was coming. And people were streaming to the Jordan River to get baptized by John because they assumed, hearing this message, that Judgment Day was coming fast. People, I assume, who'd put off putting away their sins and getting right with God were saying to themselves, well, the day is now. I don't have as long to put God off as I thought. I'm, let's say, cheating my customers, and I know what the prophet Amos said about that. Or, I'm bearing a grudge against my neighbor, and I know what Moses said about that. Or, I'm cheating on my spouse, or I'm living in luxury and neglecting the poor, I'm not paying my workers a fair wage, or I put God on a shelf and I've made money or success or pleasure my real God. All of these things were in the Ten Commandments, the Law and the Prophets. So whatever it was for anyone, for everyone, who came to get right with God before Judgment Day, I think we can say safely that people were being convicted of their sin by John's message, and they were coming forward to get saved. Repent and be baptized for the forgiveness of your sins. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. In some way, the original John the Baptist revival was actually not all that, too, not all that different from a Southern Baptist revival, or Billy Graham crusade. With some differences. And the difference between John the Baptist's Baptist revival and the Billy Graham crusade, is that first, John's followers and John himself probably thought that the final judgment day was right around the corner. And second, they would have thought that judgment wasn't just to do with individual salvation, but with Israel as a whole, over against all the kingdoms of the world. The kingdom of heaven is at hand, John said, and that would have meant that the kingdom of Herod and the kingdom of Caesar was due. The new king was coming. The old king's days were numbered. The advent calendar, you might say, was halfway gone, and D-Day for Herod and Caesar were right around the corner. The promised one, the anointed king like David, was going to show up at long last and renew the kingdom of Israel. The Roman oppressors would be gone for good, and Israel would be a place of justice and freedom and righteousness at long last. You see how this was a political vision, in part. If it hadn't been, there would have been no reason for Herod to throw John the Baptist in jail, which he did. Herod knew full well that what John was preaching implied that his days were numbered, or at least endangered. 
And he knew full well that if people believed that, it could stir up a revolution against him. You bet he put John in jail then. Any despot with half a brain would have. It was a political vision, and it was also a vision of universal judgment. The axe, John says, is at the root of the tree. Every tree that doesn't bear good fruit will be cut down and thrown in the fire. If it wasn't a vision of judgment, people wouldn't have been coming to John with such urgency to repent and be baptized for the forgiveness of sins. As Isaiah wrote in today's reading, God will come with vengeance, with terrible recompense. He will come and save you. You see, those were together. The righteous would be saved, and the sinners, the wicked, the unrepentant powers who sit on the thrones would be weighed in the balance and found wanting, thrown into the fiery furnace and burned. As Mary herself said, God was going to cast down the mighty from their thrones and lift up the lowly, fill the hungry with good things, and send the rich away empty. And so, you have, you have to imagine that given all of that Old Testament prophetic background, John was sitting there in prison thinking to himself, this isn't how I thought it was supposed to work. Herod's days are supposed to be numbered, but it still looks like he's on the throne. Violence and injustice still, still sit on the thrones of power, and the poor are still crying out for salvation. I'm not supposed to be in jail at this point in the story. Herod is. Did I miss something? Yes, I heard the voice from above saying that Jesus was the one. Yes, his very name means Savior and Deliverer, but... I don't feel very delivered right now in prison. And Israel doesn't look very delivered either. So, Jesus, are you the one who was to come, or are we to wait for another? So often in life, we get what we want, and then we find out that it isn't what we thought we wanted. Like John, we may come to the point of asking ourselves, is this what I want? It's not what I thought it was going to be like. I know it's harder than I thought. Is this better? Is this actually what I wanted, but I didn't know what I was getting into? You see, John the Baptist was right, but not in the way he thought. Judgment Day was coming. The axe was at the root of the tree. It's just that the tree was actually a cross. And the one cut down on that cross was also the Messiah, the King, the Anointed One. Judgment Day was coming, and the righteous would be separated from the sinners, the sheep from the goats, like Jesus said, the wheat from the chaff, like John said. But it turned out that there was only one who was righteous, and his name was Jesus. And we all separated ourselves from him when we nailed him to a tree and cut him down with the axe in our own hands. 
and the judgment we rendered against him. He accepted, like a lamb without protest going to slaughter, so that he could say on our behalf, it is finished. Following this Savior, this Lord, this crucified King, was going to look different from following a king who established his kingdom by gathering up the good and destroying and defeating the bad. So long as you were counted among the good, that would have been fairly easy. No. No, following this king was going to mean walking the way he walked. It was going to mean telling the truth in a world of lies, doing what's right when it doesn't pay, loving your enemies, Making peace in a violent world, loving the least and the lost, giving away your money and relying on God's provision, seeking to reconcile with people who don't deserve it and who don't want to reconcile with you. All of this so that they too might be saved. So that every last person has every last chance to change their hearts, change their lives come to know the joy and eternal life that God has in store for his children, offered to everyone as a sheer gift of God in Jesus Christ. All of this so that the kingdom of heaven would begin to break through in this world, on earth as it is in heaven. John's life ended not long after this gospel text. It ended like Jesus ended. He was killed by the Romans for threatening their power. Surely that is not the ending that John expected when he was baptizing people by the score and declaring that the kingdom of heaven was at hand. Surely not what he expected when he baptized Jesus and saw the heavens open and the Spirit of God descend. Jesus, are you the one who was to come? Yes, but it's not the salvation we expected, and it's not the salvation we thought we wanted. It's much harder. The cross comes before the crown, and tomorrow is Monday morning. It's also much better. As we come to want what Jesus wants for the world, as we come to want the salvation of our neighbors and friends and love the least and the lost just as Christ does, we start to find that we've become different people than we were before. We find that we eventually don't mind so much the suffering that comes from loving like Jesus did, and then less and less. The salvation, the hope, the deliverance that we at first thought we'd wanted for ourselves turned out to be quite a bit different from the salvation that Jesus brings. We didn't know what being saved really meant. We didn't know what we were getting ourselves into. It turns out that the cross comes before the crown. That the cross is the way to the crown. The way of the cross every Monday morning. And that this is how the kingdom of heaven breaks into this world. This is how waters break forth in the wilderness and streams in the desert. 
how the blind come to see and the lame walk. This is how salvation comes not just to the few righteous, whoever and wherever they may be, but to us, to you and to me and to the whole world. Be patient, therefore, beloved, until the coming of the Lord. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Therefore Jesus said, Take up your cross and follow me. Amen. Amen.